SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Monday, September 6, we look at the yes and no campaigns for the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum as they gather steam ahead of the vote on October 14. In the, te- in the same context, we explore a call by the federal opposition to hold a second vote in case the current referendum fails. Also on NITV Radio today, to mark National Indigenous Literacy Day, which is tomorrow, September 7, we have a story in language on how the red-breasted crimson chart got its coloured feathers. And this story is lifted from the Jokurpa Stories podcast series. In your programme today, we look back at Pulima 2023, an event held late last month, bringing together delegates from all over Australia and internationally, exploring how to revitalise Indigenous languages. All these stories and more coming to you on NITV Radio after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. Advocates for Indigenous mental health urge politicians to consider the mental health impact of the Voice to Parliament referendum. The federal opposition claims the government is pandering to Qantas as a a Senate inquiry is established. And Brazil's President Lula da Silva recognizes six Indigenous lands in boost for the Amazon. Advocates for Indigenous Mental Health are asking politicians to consider the mental health impacts of the Voice to Parliament referendum. A group of mental health organizations, including the Australian Indigenous Psychologist Association and the Black Dog Institute, are asking politicians to sign what they are calling a respectful referendum pledge. The pledge is a set of principles to try and encourage more civil and inclusive conversations. The Black Dog Institute says as the referendum approaches, indigenous people are experiencing more vitriol online and this is taking a toll on their social and emotional well-being. He says whilst people should not shy away from talking about the voice to parliament referendum, they should be proactive in reducing potential harms for doing so. National MP Barnaby Joyce has said that the Voice to Parliament referendum is creating outrageous debate and unacceptable statements that need to be called out. Mr Joyce, who is supporting the no campaign, made the remarks on Tuesday 
during a panel discussion on Australia's first referendum in 25 in 24 years on NITV's The Point program. He told fellow panelists, including former Senator Olympian Nova Paris, Reconciliation Australia CEO Karen Mandin, and Liberals for Yes Kate Cornell, that Australians could agree that the debate had been inflammatory. People getting away with saying things that are just completely out of order. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us, when you hear that, to say, no, mate, what you just said then was outrageous, right? It's got nothing to do with the debate. And this is something, and this debate has given people almost a, a, they think they can get away with saying it now, and I think it's incumbent upon all of us to bring it down. Host Narelda Jacobs made the point that Joyce himself had been at a no-campaign event where inflammatory statements were made without explicitly distancing himself from them. The federal opposition is accusing the government of favouring Qantas at the expense of ordinary Australians. There will be a Senate inquiry into why the government rejected Qatar Airways' application for more flights into Australia, a decision that benefits Qantas. But the government nearly scuttled the inquiry once voting against its establishment. The government has stood firm on the Qatar Airways decision, even in the face of disagreement from Labour Party state premiers. Opposition transport spokeswoman Bridget McKenzie says the government has pandered to Qantas on a range of issues, citing Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's relationship with former Qantas boss Alan Joyce and Qantas' support for the proposed Indigenous Voice to Parliament as possible reasons why. Why have they doubled down? Is it because of Mr Albanese's personal and political strong relationship with not just Alan Joyce but with Qantas as the flagship bearer for his Yes campaign? Why was Qantas, why was aviation ruled out of the government's competition review? And why did they reject the application for Qatar Airways, which we know would have put downward pressure on prices? The latest economic growth figures will be released today and growth is expected to still be slow. Last quarter, the economy grew by 0.02% and was growing by 2.3% on an annual basis. The Commonwealth Bank is predicting today's figure for the June quarter will be 0.05%. Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers says Australians' spending patterns show that people are under economic stress. Dr. Chalmers has told the Nine Network there are two main factors currently affecting economic growth. Uh, the economy is being buffeted by two things, uh, by the slowdown in China as part of a broader, broader global economic uncertainty and also the impact of these interest rate rises which are already in the system. The Department of Health and Ed- the Department of Health and Care have launched an online survey into women's experiences with the health system. Assistant Minister for Health and Aged Care Jed Kani says the federal government is committed to improving women's health outcomes. She says the system is biased against women in so many ways and many women have shared their story of neglect or distrust in the health system. Ms. Kearney is urging migrant and refugee women in particular to come forward. Some of the barriers we know that we hear from women when they tell us their stories is that they are simply not believed, that they are accused of all sorts of terrible things if they prevent with pain, that the doctor has trouble diagnosing, that they are drug shopping, or that they are, to use a terrible term, 
hysterical or that they're over anxious when actually, in fact, there are serious medical conditions occurring. The survey is available in 17 different languages. The federal government insists there will be a formal inquiry into how Australia managed the COVID-19 pandemic. Several state and territory governments have held inquiries into aspects of their response to the pandemic and a range of experts and advocates from across the political and social spectrum earlier this year made calls in the media for a federal inquiry. Health Minister Mark Butler says it's always, it has always been the position of this federal government to have some sort of inquiry into the matter. But he won't reveal what form it will take or exactly what it will investigate just yet. We intend to hold a deep inquiry into the management of COVID over the last few years. It would be extraordinary for a government to take any other position and we'll announce the, the uh, terms of that inquiry in due course. Brazil has officially recognised two indigenous territories, giving them legal protection against incursions from illegal logging, gold mining and cattle ranching. The recognition of the Acapori de Sima and Rio Gregorio territories comes on the, on the day Brazil celebrates its Amazon region, home to the world's largest tropical rainforest. The preservation of the Amazon is a priority for President Lula da Silva and is seen as essential to soaking up the carbon emissions responsible for global warming. President Lula da Silva says the protection of indigenous people and the Amazon is deeply linked. O povo amazônico merece ter seus direitos garantidos e oportunidades para uma vida melhor. The Amazonian people deserve to have their rights guaranteed and opportunities for a better life. If there is no future for the Amazon and its people, there will be no future for the planet either. That is what today's event is about. Concrete actions to guarantee the future of the Amazon and of each of us. This development comes as Brazil's parliament is pushing through legislation that would restrict the recognition of indigenous land claims. The federal government will today introduce its legislation to amend the Murray-Darling River Basin Plan, but it's facing stern opposition from both the coalition and the Greens. The coalition wants an inquiry into the legislation and a committee to visit affected communities. The Greens support the move for an inquiry and say they cannot support the legislation in its current form. Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek has unveiled the government's changes after revelations it would fail to hit its water recovery targets for the year 2024. Sarah Hanson-Young is the Greens water spokesperson and a senator for South Australia, which will be deeply impacted by the legislation. She says the government needs to offer guarantees for water levels, not promises. There's a long way to go. How much is going to be delivered by the end of next financial year? How much is going to be brought back before the next election? We can't just wait to get to 2027 and we discover not much more has been secured. Um, all, the, all the legislation provides right now um, is a promise. Well, we know what happens to promises uh, when it comes to the Murray and comes to South Australia. The Labor Party and the Liberal Party continue to break them. And to sport in NRL, Brisbane playmaker Adam Reynolds will return to play against Melbourne in Friday's qualifying final at the Suncorp Stadium. Brisbane missed Reynolds in their final round clash, which Melbourne won 32-22 to bring their win record over the Broncos to 14 games straight.
Reynolds has sat out the Broncos' past two matches with a calf injury, but is back in action to help his team rebound after the loss cost them the minor premiership. The game will be Brisbane's first finals appearance since 2018, while the Storm are heading for their 13th straight post-season campaign. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Brome sunny 29, Perth partly cloudy 19, Adelaide sunny 24, Melbourne partly cloudy 19, Hobart cloudy 18, Albury-Wodonga sunny 17, Canberra similar conditions 17 degrees, Wollongong sunny as well 20, Sydney also sunny 21, Newcastle much the same 23, Brisbane mostly sunny 27, Townsville sunny 27, Keynes much the same 29, Early Springs, sunny 32, Darwin, also sunny 33 degrees, and the Torres Strait Islands, similar conditions in the top of 30 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. I'm Patron Tungandame and you're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from NAM on the Kulin Nation this Monday afternoon. Coming up next, well, to mark National Indigenous Literacy Day, which is September the 7th, tomorrow, we have a story in language on how the red-breasted crimson chart got its coloured feathers. In your program today, we also look back at our Polima 2023, an event held late last month, bringing together delegates from all over Australia and uh, from across the world to exploring how to revitalize indigenous languages. But first, stories brought to us by SBS News. As the yes and no campaigns for the upcoming Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum are gaining momentum, the federal opposition is claiming it will hold a second referendum in case of a no victory. As the yes and no campaigns for the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum gather steam ahead of the vote next month, the most recent polling suggests support for the yes case has dropped below a majority. The opposition has continued to press its case for a second referendum if the no vote is carried. But as Deborah Grock reports, the government says the coalition aren't engaging in the substance of the voice and are only interested in politics. The latest opinion polls on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum paint a complicated picture. Surveys from Newspoll and The Guardian suggest some voters remain undecided, but that more people intend to vote no than yes. The only voting demographic for which The Voice currently enjoys majority support is people aged between 18 and 34. The coalition has seized on these numbers as a sign that there's still time for Prime Minister Anthony Albanese to forget the whole thing. Home Affairs spokesman James Patterson has told Sky he could cancel the whole referendum. Well, he has said that if this goes down, it will have terrible consequences for Indigenous Australians and Australia's international standing in the world. If he really believes that, Mm. he should look at this polling and say, do I want to put the country through this? He's got a choice. The writs haven't been issued yet by the AAC. This is a final opportunity for him to change course, and I think he should take it. But the government is standing firm. Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus says they're simply honouring the wishes of Indigenous Australians in holding the vote. 
the constitutional recognition through a voice that is currently before the Australian people does not come from politicians. It came directly from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people themselves. We know that when governments listen to people, they get better results, they get better outcomes, they use funding more effectively. But with support for the yes vote apparently starting to drop, the opposition are still pressing their case for a second referendum if this one fails and they win power again. That referendum would change the constitution to recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people like this one would do, but not enshrine the Indigenous advisory body. Labor appears to believe this is a way to capitalise on Anthony Albanese's drop in popularity, which some media reports have linked to when he started to campaign for The Voice. Mr Albanese has told Parliament the idea is ridiculous. They're already planning the sequel while doing everything they can to sabotage the original. (laughs) That is what this is about. It shows that it's all about politics not about the substance. But the opposition's Senate leader, Simon Birmingham, says the position has not appeared out of nowhere and it's held in good faith. Look, it's consistent with the position we have long held for there to be uh, recognition uh, of uh, Indigenous Australians in the Constitution. Of course, you'd want it to occur in a process that far more successfully than this one has done, uh, built strong national support, cohesion and unity, perhaps even in a manner where it could then be conducted alongside a future election or the like in a a truly nationally unifying way, but without the need to conduct a separate national ballot. But they're all decisions that you would work through in due course. Meanwhile, more state leaders are declaring their voting intentions. The Labor leaders of each state and territory have already committed publicly to backing the voice, while officials like former Western Australian Aboriginal Affairs Minister Ben Wyatt has joined in a Yes campaign event in Perth. I'm here today to appeal to Western Australians. Not only is the referendum the opportunity to change our constitution, but it is also an opportunity to say we reject these bad outcomes. We reject the status quo. Tasmanian Premier Jeremy Rockliffe, New South Wales Opposition Leader Mark Speakman and ACT Opposition Leader Elizabeth Lee are so far the only Liberal leaders in the Yes camp. Tasmania, Western Australia and South Australia are seen as key to the fate of the referendum with a majority Yes vote required in at least four of the six states for it to be successful. You can find comprehensive information about the referendum by visiting the SBS Voice referendum portal at sbs.com.au forward slash voice referendum. Deborah Grok, SBS News. NITV Radio. Share our stories on Facebook. Federal Opposition Leader Peter Dutton says he will hold another referendum if the vote to enshrine an Indigenous voice to Parliament in the Constitution fails. The promise comes as the Yes campaign secured the support of Australian musician legend John Farnham and the use of his song You Are the Voice as the official soundtrack of the Yes campaign. Kara Hain has more. An unofficial Australian anthem. Now it's the soundtrack for a Yes campaign advertisement, supporting an Indigenous voice to Parliament. 
The ad pairs John Farnham's hit single "You're the Voice" with transformative moments in Australian history. It will run on television and social media ahead of a referendum on October 14. Uluru Dialogue co-chair Megan Davis says the audience for the ad is all Australians. It's had a particular impact upon us because it's our generation. We were young when it came out,、um, but it's for all Australians. The ad showcases an extraordinary number of incredible decisions that we've made as a nation that we were anxious about, but actually just led to a better Australia, and we were all unified behind.、Um, and that's what the ad is about. In a statement, Farnham says this song changed his life, and he can only hope it might help change the lives of First Nations people for the better. The collaboration marks the first time Farnham has allowed the iconic song to be used in an ad. Nationals leader David Littleproud, who opposes the Voice, has used the advertisement as an opportunity to criticise the Yes campaign. Well, it goes to a very line in that you're the Voice try to understand it, and in fact, Australians don't understand it because the Prime Minister hasn't been prepared to take them into his trust and table the legislation, the exact me- mechanics of how this would work. If he doesn't trust the Australian people, then why should he trust? Why should they trust him?、Uh, there's a real opportunity. We think, unfortunately, he's already divided the country. If it had just been about constitutional recognition, I think this would have passed if flying colours. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has revealed he would hold a second referendum solely to enshrine First Nations recognition into the constitution in the event the Voice fails to pass. He has not been clear, however, on exactly what form that constitutional recognition would take. Simply saying, he remains opposed to a voice to Parliament. The Liberal Party has said in the past it favours legislating local and regional voice bodies and rejects the need for a national advisory group to Parliament. Mr. Dutton says a second referendum is a promise he plans to take to the next election. We went to the last election、uh, and a number of elections before that with that as our policy,、uh, and that will be our policy going into the next election as well. I think it's right and respectful to recognise Indigenous Australians in the constitution. We will work with the Labor Party、uh, to find a, a common ground. But the Prime Minister having this dummy spit,、uh, it, it reminds me of Kevin Rudd that this is the greatest moral challenge of our time. But if, if, you, if you don't get your own way,、uh, then everyone else can bugger off, and I don't think that's in the best interests. Of Australians, the federal opposition leader's plan to hold a second referendum has been criticised by politicians across the political spectrum, including by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, Independent Senator Jackie Lambie, and Liberal MP Bridget Archer. Yes, campaigner Christy Parker, an adviser to the Uluru Dialogue, says Mr. Dutton is being hypocritical. It demonstrates that the opposition leader is not listening to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have very clearly asked. For something that will change our lives,、um, some people have said the referendum is an expensive exercise, and yet here we have the opposition leader proposing to spend the same amount of money on something that would not change lives. That's the poorest investment of、um, Australian taxpayers' dollars. Foreign Affairs Minister Penny Wong says it's important to focus on the current referendum. We have a referendum.、Uh, it's uh, uh, next month,、uh, and we have an opportunity now to do this. What I know about Mr. Dutton is, for th- for him, this is not about people. This is about politics, and about his his party and his political position.、Uh, and I think this should be about people and what sort of country we want. 
And you can find comprehensive information about the referendum by visiting SBS Voice Referendum Portal at sbs.com.au slash voice referendum. Kira Hain, SBS News. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. We must now step aside for a break, but stay with us. When we come back, we have a story to mark National Indigenous Literacy Day and also a story about a conference aiming to revitalise Indigenous languages. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. Now, Indigenous Literacy Day is on tomorrow, September 7. This is a yearly initiative by Australia's Indigenous Literacy Foundation. Australia's First Peoples have a deep knowledge of community, culture and land. These are concepts of literacy that the Western world may not understand. We must redefine what literacy means for different communities and their needs to create forward-thinking spaces without losing roots. Dignus Literacy Day advocates people's right to an education in the languages they speak at home. It celebrates Indigenous freedom of expression and participation in public life just as they are. And leading up to, to, to this year's National Literacy Day, we bring you this story in language lifted from SBS podcast series Jukurpa Stories. This uh, telling of Jokurpa story was originally created at the Bilingual Resource Development Unit in Uendomo to support world language learning. Poor Media developed the story into an audio story. And here, how the red-breasted crimson chart caught its colored feathers. <laughs> Chonbo pingi manu, marlo pingi wari. Kandal pa nina chakuru wari achara kupalangu chukurpa. Mindangale ngulalu ya nuulinyi kuyuko manu ya laku. Ulinyi lacho ngati nyanu palango, ngarunu kacha nyanu chara. Nati palayanda kulera ngapa kura, chucho ngapa ngawurpa kuchako. Chunga choko pina nyango pala ngati nyano cho. Ngulawano cho pungul palo koyo mano kala chalo yala. Ngulawano cho yano pala manyo kora ngarenja wano. Ngati nyano lupa wapalkolo kala cha. Uri achara lupa la pina nyango chulpo unpilinja korang. Ngati cerepia, nyango pala tanganggo, kudo cari calgo pala uria caraju, mula cangga jujur bojo par pada cawatia mulo cinda kare kerawatia kora, mula palang mulo kango yurko kora, mano palango palka caraja kulangan dajul pok kalang apa wadengi cucu. Mula changa chupalango, chere morano uria characho, kilchipala pulaja uria characho, lava choko palango moropongo, ranganga panga chuchungo. Walpalpa wanga cha kulani, mula palango pina nyango, pulanja kora, ngatinya nolojo, lava nyango palango, panga chakanda kareke. 
Payono Nyangun Balango Machu Nyangu Chara Koro Chirama Kanda Chowanga Chalawa Nyanjawang Machu Chu Mulawano Chu Mango Nyangu Karuajangapangamara Chunga Chokopangaja Nyanjakong Kolerangapakora Nyangu Varolpa Uliako Lawa Choko Mula Changacho Nyangulko Ngapayayo Kolo Mula Choko Chati Charita Pakano Nyano Watia Kolongo Choro Yayo Kora Yulanjano Murakora Pakaninjano Painyano Yayo Kora Yulachara Mungako Yayulpala Kalecha Roko Roko Wanalko Mano Mungalyorolcho Lava Charejalko Nyaparalko Kandacho Mulachangacho Roko Roko Tere Charejalko Mulachuchulpo Weta Chinjewarno Chalangulocho Kalpa Nyanyechulpo Weta Yanga Roko Roko Yalyo Yalyo Pakaninjawarno this story in language to mark National Indigenous Literacy Day was lifted from the Chukurpa Stories a podcast a series. A series developed at the Bilingual Resource Development Unit in Uendumu along with other world language teaching resources. Time for another break, but stay with us when we come back. We explore a conference aiming to revitalize indigenous languages. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio with me, Bertrand Tungandame, coming to you from NAM on the Kulin Nation. Well, late last month, more than 1,000 delegates attending attended the Pulima Indigenous Languages and Technology Conference in Darwin, aiming to stop indigenous language loss globally. The United Nations has labelled the decade until 2032, the International Decade of Indigenous Languages. Camilla Rai and Virajuiman Darren McKinney helped to organize the five-day Polima conference, the first one since 2019. He told SBS's Biao Kwan a lot came out of the gathering. It ended up being over 1,000 people here. This has actually become the largest Indigenous language conference ever held globally. And everyone brought it. Everyone brought voice. That's something which... Uh, Polimar in the Wabakal language actually translates to meaning voice, to make voice, and that is what has happened. The sooner we can stop the loss, the better. But it's actually bold and brave because, like, I use this analogy is that our languages are, are sitting on a knife's edge, and no matter what, every day, every week, every month, every year, that knife is getting sharper. If we look at the turning point here between pre-colonisation in Australia and post-colonisation, describe for our listeners just what that impact has been in terms of stopping the loss on the language. Any personal reflections from you, Darren, on how you're seeing that? We unfortunately have suffered one of the worst losses of language. We're up there in the top three, Australia, North America and South America. 
more languages have been lost in those three areas than any other place on this planet. For us to have had this happen in such a short time, that's, that's hard to take. You know, we had, you know, 500 plus languages, easily distinct languages just cross a river and it changes, cross a mountain range and it changes. And to be in a position where we've only got possibly, possibly 15 of those in that position, that's not good. That's why we bring Polima to Larrakia country to Darwin, because it's this top end of Australia where it's the tip of Cape, Cape York. Around the, around the east and the west side of Cape York there, through into Yungu country, through the rest of Arnhem Land, over here, Larrakia in the top of Kimberley's there. That's one of the world's hotspot. If you were to put, paint it red, these places, it's bright red. The rest of Australia in colour were light coloured because it's, the, the effect has happened. It's cold in that respect if we were to use that temperature scale. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to take, but it has happened so quickly and so drastically here. And when we talk about the world's first scientists, the world's first storytellers, we know that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, 60,000 years of continuous culture, just how important is the language in retaining that wealth of knowledge and that continuous story? That's a good question, but I would also like to start to challenge people's thinking on these numbers of 60,000 years. Our stories, our dreamings, our, our belief system, you know, you know, comes from creation. Creation didn't happen 60,000 years ago. Creation happened a hell of a lot longer. So we need to actually acknowledge that. And if, if it wasn't, it must be that our creation stories are made up. They're not made up. These creation stories, our belief system, our knowledge systems are carrying sciences. They are, you know, we talk about climate change. You know, our people have been living with climate change forever, since millennial. We have been adapters of climate change since millennial. And it's now that we're having to put up with um, human-impacted climate change. And um, you know what? Sitting within our languages and our knowledge systems are, are lessons to be learned. Sitting within our stories on how we adapt. You know, we've seen... Yeah, our, our people's country, yeah, go, go to Newcastle uh, 15,000 years ago. The shoreline was actually 100 kilometres out to sea. Our people have seen, have had to move and have to and have had to adapt with this change. And, um, yeah, our lakes were valleys where people were living. Now they're lakes. Um, yeah, it's all sitting within our knowledge system. Look at the word kangaroo. Yeah, Cook would say kangaroo. rest of Australia says kangaroo. Go to Gugimapa. I'll say Gunguru. What does Gunguru mean? Old man, Eastern Grey. It's talking about age. It's talking about sex. It's talking about species. That's our grandfather. That's their grandfather. The grandmother has its own name. The grandmother is not called Gunguru. You know, we need to realise what we have to start to impact change so that we don't lose it. And Darren, I'd like to hear more about some of the work you've been doing over decades, uh, Miramar, your, your organisation. Uh, you've really found a need to bring in uh, software and technology, bring in any tools we can to stop the loss of language. Just give me a sense of uh, how you've been personally invested over the decades in revitalising language. In 2003, 
I was I was directly told that Aboriginal people cannot revive or reclaim their language. That hit hard. Two Aboriginal fellas can't bring back a language. Sorry, who are you to tell us? But that's what we were told. That was the thinking in the academic world, in the non-Indigenous space, that Aboriginal people can't do this. It lit a fire, which has been stoked ever since, and that's where the first thing is, is why can't we do it? Well, we ain't got the tools, do we? We've got the voice, we've got the people, but we didn't have the tools to what we need. So I set about making one of those tools to support our people, to empower our people, to give our people the opportunity to uh, obtain the employment opportunities within the language programs, to use tools made by us for us, and, uh, and to put our people in the seat of documenting, capturing and disseminating, translating and analysing our languages. That was a big step. That was confronting to that, to that non-Indigenous academe space because to them it's business, to us it's our life and we needed to challenge that. So those tools which I created called Miramar uh, have actually now been uh, picked up, obtained from all around Australia, from all the islands, all around the world, go to North America, Central, South, uh, Pinga Continent, Asia, uh, Africa, Europe, all over the place. It's crazy that it has actually, we've done at least our part to create something to, to meet the demand and the want of Indigenous people to do whatever they can to save our traditional languages. The Arts Minister Tony Burke being at the conference, he's talked about the government's commitment to a Voices of Country strategy, which will involve outlining and reporting on measurable commitments to support the priorities, stop the loss, the other five pillars, and $27 million each year to support First Nations cultural expression through Indigenous Languages and Arts program. What are your thoughts on that strategy and what it will take for, for success to be seen in this space? I'm one of those people on what has been called the Directions Group, which drove the development of the Action Plan for Australia's response to the International Get Decade for Indigenous Languages, to which Minister Burke launched at Pulima. It's actually a groundbreaking document. A lot of people don't know that that document, that Action Plan, is one of the first ever in partnership with both the Australian government and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. That is a massive undertaking uh, and ownership of this going forward. Within that action plan, it's not government's voice, it is our voice. It is our themes, it is our actions, it is our strategies, and it has come from ground root community level. There's a strategy in there for, to be able to support anyone and everyone to be part of learning the languages of this land. And the five pillars being stop the loss, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities at the centre, caring for country, intergenerational knowledge transfer, truth-telling and celebration. Uh, What are some of the examples here that we see that those things being embodied? I know that there's been pushes, uh, for instance, in Tasmania to have more Aboriginal place names, uh, signage around that area, more interweaving in our everyday. You know, what are some steps that people can do to help support this? Caring for country, that's all of us. Yeah, that's a major, major theme. This country at the moment is hurting. And country is not just land, 
It is also sea. It is our plants. It is our animals. Australia's got more endangered animals, wildlife, than any other continent in the world. It is, it's also the people. Country is the people itself as well. It's from the stars to the bottom of the sea. And, um, you know, that is, a, uh, it's, when you look at that language is full of knowledge, which is, f- which is our sciences, yeah, absolutely. Um, it has to be in there. Um, yeah, when we talk about uh, place names, we don't want dual name. We want place names. None of this dual name stuff. Sorry. Be brave. Sorry. Be brave and change this one word, one phrase. The thing is, is that what we need to be doing is, is, is well, when white Australia comes across our languages, comes across that word, where it's the name of their suburb where they live or the street sign of where, they, where their house is or whatever that is be, that word is knowledge. It's ownership. It's something which we should all be proud of. We travel the world and go on overseas holidays to experience someone else's culture, yet here we are with the world's oldest living culture, oldest living knowledges, oldest living languages, smack bang here. We need to understand that when we have truth-telling, that's going to be part of that truth-telling there, is that acknowledgement and that realisation. When it comes to celebration, yeah, events like Polima and everything else there that everyone does within community, that celebration, celebrate it. It's love, it's warmth, it brings people together. It's song, it's dance, yeah, it's, it's performance. Celebrate it. And that was uh, Camilla Rhyme and uh, Wiradjuri man uh, Darren McKenney talking about Polima, Indigenous Languages and Technology Conference held in Darwin late uh, last month. Uh, Darren McKenney was in conversation with SBS News' uh, Biwa Kwan. You're with NITV Radio. As we edge close to the end of today's program, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. We continuously update this website with new content, some of which is designed to stay online only and will never be aired on radio. I also urge you as the campaign for the upcoming referendum is underway to find more comprehensive information about uh, the ongoing uh, campaign and the referendum by visiting the SBS Voice Referendum portal www.sbs.com.au slash voice referendum And that's all from uh, us for NITV Radio this Monday afternoon. I'm Patron Tunandami thanking you for your company today. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.